Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. We want something with a bit of colour and a bit of movement and a bit of body, and that is the candlestick chart. That was Louise Bedford, the queen of candlesticks and an expert in teaching you how to read the market. Today, you'll hear a lot about candles from Louise. No, not the waxy light-emitting ones, but rather the green and red ones on a share chart. So I want you to imagine a chart with lots of green and red sticks with wicks burning at both ends. The green ones are when the share prices are going up, and the red ones are when share prices are going down. Keep that in mind as Louise shines a light on your investment strategy. G'day, Louise. Oh, g'day, Phil. How are you? <laughs> oh, did you want me to keep talking about you, did you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I'd always love to hear more about myself. <laughs> oh, we'll let you tell us about that. <laughs> I've been studying you very closely for the last few days. I've listened to several podcasts and been going through your website and some of the, the stuff that you've been writing. And the thing that shines through to me is your practicality. You have a way of cutting through the noise and simplifying investing. Where does this come from, your practicality? I think it's because I find if things are too complicated, then I can't follow them. So I've made a definite, I guess, focus on that particular issue. So with my trading plan, the idea is that I keep it so simple that another trader can follow it exactly. And during times of trading pressure, we both know your IQ goes out of your ear. There's no way in heck you're thinking clearly. So to keep things simple, I find it incredibly important, Phil. We're talking here for, to people who haven't even thought about trading or the idea of um, share investment as trading. If they're taking their first steps, what are a couple of things that you would suggest just to simplify and cut through the noise that they're going to be hit with? Mm. I think the first step should be that you look at your own objectives. So why are you trading? What do you feel that will bring to your life? And what sort of returns are you expecting? You know, a lot of people think that trading has more in common with a tax lotto ticket than perhaps that hard work and the grind that we both know it actually is. So looking what do you want to achieve to begin with is the first step. And then the next step is to get a trading plan. So a trading plan is like a blueprint. How do we approach the markets? What will we do when we go on holidays? Like a business plan related to the markets. And inherent in that trading plan is your trading system. That is how to enter, how to exit, and how to position size as in how much money to put into each position. So that's got to be your focus. If you begin with the end in mind, if you know that you're looking for entry, exit and position sizing before you get started, then everything you read, everything you listen to will be honed to those goals. So I think that's the best way, Phil. I just wanted to ask about the trading game. Is it a game? Can it be fun as well? Uh, look, I, I've loved it since 1990 was my first trade of note, actually. I started actually when I was 15 and it definitely was a game then. Um, my sister's 
boyfriend at the time, who's now an ex-boyfriend, he said, hey, you know, do you want to pop a little bit of money on this? It's like put it all on black type of thing, which I did. And I actually made a lot of money out of that particular trade. So for me, yes, to begin with, it was a game. It was something that was fun, something that ignited my passion and made me realize that I don't just have to rely on my job to get ahead. But after that, all of the similarities with the game has to cease. It is not a game of chance. It is where the people who work the hardest, who put the most into their own education, they are the ones who come out successful. So treat it with a bit of a lighthearted view for sure, but realize that it is serious. It's right up there with oxygen. It is, but I don't think people actually understand how seriously you do have to take it um, and the kind of steps that you need to take. I mean, I I was just looking at a comment on a a forum this morning and someone was saying, I'm interested in these stocks and I need to learn more about investing. What does everyone else think? And it was almost like they were expecting someone to tell them what was going to be the next investment that's going to make money for them. Yeah, we certainly don't do this by committee. Uh, This is something where you have to definitely come up with your own ideas and stand alone. And do you know, the thing, Phil, I found that often the people who we grew up with are not the people that we truly grow with. So sometimes the people around us, the people who mean well, the people who have supposedly our best interests at heart, they're not actually the ones who are going to drive you in this area. And in some ways, you have to separate yourself a little bit from them in order to grow and to be able to get what you know you deserve. Because the truly ambitious people out there, I can bet you they're not listening to their next door neighbor saying, well, you'll never make it. It's one of those things I think as we grow, we do have to separate ourselves out from those who don't think in terms of that big picture. That's interesting. I wasn't actually going to um, ask you about that, but um, you really feel like it's important to not let, let other people hold you back in your investing. Is that correct? Definitely. And to develop your own support network. You know, one of the things that I've managed to do, which has just been such a wonderful blessing, is to have people around me who do care for me, but who will be an unreasonable friend when I need one. Now, Phil, I know behind the scenes, you and I have had some big unreasonable friend discussions. Some of them aren't all that comfortable and they're not meant to be. The idea with an unreasonable friend is that they are your sounding board. They'll call a spade a spade. They'll say, hey, you know, this is the area you really need to focus on and you're not doing well in this area. So there's no room for a snowflake here. It is something that I do feel strongly about. We need to have the support of those who are caring for us, who can take us to the next level, and ideally those who are actually at that next level. That's where you get the best out of yourself, the highest performance. It sounds to me like you've got to be a realist. Everything is about being a realist. Mm, mm, completely. I have a business partner, Chris Tate. He's this big, bald guy. He looks a bit like a wrestler. Now, Chris Tate is actually a high-functioning Asperger, and he is the most direct person you have ever met. I think I've learned quite a lot out of just watching him interact, not only with other people, but also how he treats himself. So, there is no hoping, wishing, praying that a stock will go up. There is, is it going up? Yes, buy it. If it's not, then don't and stay out. Uh, There's a couple of concepts I want to introduce here. The first is that you're not 
a fundamental analyst. You don't weigh shares by looking at their accounts and numbers. You're a technical analyst. Can you tell me the difference between these two approaches? Sure. Look, fundamental analysts, they look at profit and loss and PE ratios and they like to think that they're going along to an annual general meeting to get that inside information. It's certainly not something that I've been able to apply. Years and years ago, before I left my job, I worked for a company called Dun and Bradstreet and it was a credit information company. So I had all of that type of information at my fingertips and it was great. And I thought when I started, that's how to invest. You just get somebody who's got a great PE ratio, somebody who's making a good profit, somebody who talks the big game with the future, and then you invest in that company. Now, I have to say, I had no luck with that. I tried and tried. It didn't work for me. And the reason is because the share market goes on psychology. It's what people say they're going to do compared to what people actually do and people's perception of that. So what happens in the markets is if you can work out, is more money going into the market in that particular position and you can read it, then you can get on that bandwagon and your money can be swept upward with that group think as well. So now I only look at charts. I look at price and volume and I make sure that I'm in on that right side of the trend. That way, the people who are putting their money where their mouth is, they're actually investing in the share. It'll come through in the chart and every piece of information that you could ever possibly imagine is displayed in that chart of price and volume action. Tell me about charts then. They're beautiful. They're lovely little things. You can start with the pretty ugly bar chart or the line chart, but really we have to move past those. They're anorexic and very boring. We want something with a bit of colour and a bit of movement and a bit of body, and that is the candlestick chart. So you might know that I've sold many, many, many thousands of The Secret of Candlestick Charting, my book. Love candlesticks. It's an ancient Japanese technique. It's one of those situations where even though time ticks on, people's psychology actually doesn't change. So in very ancient Japan, they traded rice. Fear and greed was the same as it is today. They just had data that was slightly different because they didn't have a in front of them. So candlesticks evolved out of that. And I use candlestick charts. They are green for the ones that are growing, going up, red for the ones that are going down. So the color tells you something, the shape of the candle tells you something, and how they interact with each other as well counts. So for me, candlestick charts are the absolute key to being able to trade effectively and to be able to know who is backing that chart with their own money. The default chart is usually a line chart. You, you refer to the line chart and that's just a basically a line joining up the prices from each day. Is that correct? Yeah, the closing price from each day. So you just get one line sort of going up and down like a little bit of a squiggle. Yeah. And this is not very useful, you don't think? Well, look, I think it is a good starting point because that's what journalists use. If you look in the paper, you'll find line charts. But really, the people who are listening to this podcast feel, gosh, I can tell who, who these people are. I can tell. You're listening because you want an edge. You want something that's special and different and something that you can implement time and time again as a professional in the market. And I can 
guarantee you that almost no professional in the market uses line charts. It is absolutely the pure action on the market that you can see in a picture format. Tells a beautiful narrative, easy to read, very specific. You can be very mechanical and you can do the same thing again and again and again using those little babies. So they're fantastic. Yeah, Phil, what are you using? Don't tell me bar charts. Are you? <laughs> no, no, I love candlesticks. I do uh, one-day <laughs> candlestick, candlestick charts. Oh, my gosh. You're not just saying that to impress me, are you? <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> when you go into a chart, say you're on, you know, go to one of the free charts at Google Finance, for example, you can go to the, the, the type and choose candlesticks. Um, it'll often be chart. So it'll be chart type and you click on a down arrow. It'll have things like um, like a bar chart, a line chart or a candlesticks chart. Sometimes they'll have a point and figure too. Don't use that one because for the moment I think it's a little confusing. So stick with a candlestick chart. Okay. Well, tell us about a candlestick. What is being shown in a candlestick? Sure. So with a bar chart, you've got like an open and a close and a high and a low. And a candlestick chart shows exactly the same. What you've got though is if you've got your close higher than your opening price, so imagine in the day what that would mean. It would mean that the share price opened at $10 but it closed at $10.20, for example. Mm -hmm. That candle would be coloured in green because it's the colour of growth. It's new life. It's exciting with new money coming into the market. And that green tells you that that's a bullish sign. Now, if you look at the overall high for that period, let's say it's $10.50, that overall high will be the upper tail or the wick, or sometimes it's called a shadow. It's just that pointy line above the candlestick. And the overall low for that day would be that lower tail or lower wick. Just to imagine this, what you've got to see is you've got like a long rectangle that's green with a little tail above, a little line above and a little line below. And that's your basic bullish green candle. Let's look at if it was a bearish day. So instead of closing at $10.20 after opening at 10, imagine it closed at $9.80. So it's gone down for the day. That will actually color in that real body, the, the rectangle part of the candle, that will color in that real body red. The high and the low will be the same, <laughs> but you've either got red the colour of blood and money leaking out of the markets and basically death and destruction. <laughs> the colour of red is a bearish day. The colour of green is a bullish day. And comparing those two colours and comparing different patterns can make all the difference. You know, I'm teaching my 11-year-old <laughs> daughter to trade. So she'll come up behind me and she'll look at a screen and I'll have a chart on there. And she'll go, wow, the bulls are in control, aren't they? Now, how does she know that? She'll look at all of those candles, lots and lots of candles, green, 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 green. Look at all those green candles. They're so long. You know, the green are longer than the red. 
Like, isn't that easier to see than a boring bar chart? No color, no life, no, no sex appeal. You know, this is bulls and bears having a battle. Bullish and bearish. Just tell me a little bit more about what those are. Sure. So the idea with it is that with the bullish side of the market, it means that things are going up. You are excited because you're making so much money. You're running with the bulls. There's money pouring into that particular investment. So that's where you see trends that are going up. You see higher highs and higher lows and you see people excited about that particular trade. And what about the bearish side? That's where we're losing money, where we have lower highs and lower lows and you see a lot of pain and anguish and and fear. And uh, bulls charge and bears hibernate. Nice. I like that. Is there going to come a day where you're going to be annoyed with your daughter if she's making more money than you? <laughs> you know, I, I have already had to face this. I taught my niece how to trade. I think 11 years old is about the right age to really start getting into it, you know, because they've got enough intellectual capacity, but you still haven't lost them to the vagaries of teenagehood yet. So I taught my niece how to trade and I said, here is the money. If you make a winning trade and you follow your trading plan, you get to keep all of the profit. But if you make a profit and you don't follow your trading plan, all of that profit is mine. And if you make a loss, I wear it. It's my loss. So that way we're rewarding kids for following a trading plan and that's exactly what we should be doing as well. So with candles, say you're looking at daily, uh, daily candlesticks. If you see them one after another, it's telling you a story. And then the shape of those candlesticks may tell you another story. Is that the case? Correct. It's, it's kind of hard to describe without a picture. So I'm glad in yep. the show notes, you're going to pop up some pictures here. Yep, well, we'll just imagine we've got a candle. It opens up at $10 and it, oh, people are so excited. They love this, sh- this chart, this share. They get involved all day. And at the closing bell, they still want to be buying more of it. So let's say it closes at $11. So it opens at 10, closes at 11. You've got one big solid candle. That's its entire real body. There is no overall low. There is no overall high with a wick because the entire trading has been included in that one candle. And that's the shape that we're talking about. So is it a a big real body, a big body between the open and the close, or is it a small? And a small one tells you a totally different story compared to a long real body and that's where some of the finessing comes in to learn the shape of those candles to learn how they compare to the next candle coming along and you can tell whether they're going to reverse the trend or continue the trend and that's all I'm looking for to buy I'm looking for an uptrend and an ideal entry point so that becomes the trigger and our trigger tells us to go and for me the trigger is the candle. And it's also showing the psychology, isn't it, each candle? Like um, I've, I've heard you mention the star-shaped ones. So that one's a doji. So if it's got a, like a little bit more oh, of I a – I love, love the dojis. Yeah, dojis are great. If it's got a bit more of a solid real body where the open and the close aren't at exactly the same price, then, yes, it is a star. Now, if you think of those ones where if we take it that the – 
amateurs are the ones who are very excitable. They don't work on a trading plan and they aren't really thinking through their trading. Now, amateurs are at one side, professionals are at the other. So a professional trader is somebody who pre-considers their entry and exit. They work to a trading plan. They have clear position sizing. They don't make a move based on gut feel. They're the professionals in the market. Now, taking these two groups, the amateurs open the market. So they are so excitable. Something's happened on a current affair overnight. Oh my goodness, I have to get involved right now, now. Damn it, the market's open at 10. I have to wait. One past 10, you'll see the amateurs flood into the market. Now, the amateurs probably are not where you want to be. And at the other end of the spectrum, we have the professionals, those clever studied pure traders who have done everything they can to be detached from the market going up and down. Those professionals punch in the close of the market. So that agony between the amateurs and the professionals, that battle, that tug of war, that is what the candle depicts. And if you have the amateurs thinking the same thing as the professionals, Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You end up with the doji. Now, Phil, I don't know. Do you follow the football? Hi, listeners. Just jumping in here for a moment. I'm not a footy fan, but next episode, we've got a famous ex-Swans premiership player coming onto the podcast. I don't follow the football at all. However, I'm in a footy tipping competition with mm-hmm. many of the traders that I've trained. Now, mm-hmm. I am quite surprised. I'm almost at the top. Now, if you think of somebody who doesn't know anything about football, hands up mm-hmm. here, winning isn't that bizarre. But do you know what is I've been so volatile. Sometimes I'll get, oh, yes, like a nine out of nine for my tipping. And then other times I'll get one out of nine. So my volatility, my personal volatility with this is all over the place because I don't know what I'm doing. Amateurs are the same way. So if the professionals agree with the amateurs, you've probably got a change of trend about to happen. Okay, so getting back to uh, Japanese rice trading for a moment, because this is where the candlesticks came from. And um, I actually spoke with a Japanese friend yesterday to get the pronunciation of... Homa Munehisa. Oh, my gosh. Well, you're you're one up on me. (laughs) Homa Munehisa. Who was the uh, champion Japanese rice trader around about 1700, I believe. Sure. I actually went over to Japan to have a look at the rice bales that they traded and to work out sort of culturally what are we facing here. And it was just fascinating. So Homa was a champion dude with rice trading. So what he did is he strung men across rooftops, from rooftop to rooftop, yelling out rice prices. And it was fascinating to see the impact of that because that is hardly real-time data, is it? <laughs> but 
out of all of that, he drew out those basic first candle patterns. And his theory, his philosophy is infused into candlestick charting. I still find it fascinating, though, that we're just talking basically about trading and that um, rice trading 300 years ago is so similar to trading shares and stocks these days? Mm. Well, I think there are similarities because what we're talking about is human nature. It is That's right. It's human nature, isn't it? Yeah. That's what it yeah. Vast groups of people experiencing fear and greed and hoping that they're going to hit the big time when it comes to making their personal fortune. So I think there, there is a lot to be said for things not changing as much as they stay the same. These people in the markets having the same impulses through the tulip boom, through the Poseidon boom, through the NASDAQ, through the Bitcoin rises and falls for all of those markets. Individuals that were involved in the market are feeling exactly the same way as you are feeling when you buy BHP hoping to retire well. Can you tell us about Poseidon, what happened at the time? Oh, look, I can't actually. I think that one's going to be the same as Bitcoin. Now, let's talk about Bitcoin because it's a little bit more prevalent in people's psyches. But it's a similar similar got, idea that something just shot up out of into the stratosphere, correct. isn't it? Yeah. Yes, yes, out of nowhere and then everybody thinks, you beauty, I'm going to leave my job. It's going to be easy street from now and what could go wrong? Every boom ends in a bust. Every boom ends in a bust. So what can we do to protect ourselves from these booms and busts? The first thing that we need to do is realize mania is prevalent. So if you see a load of long green candles and they're all strung together, there's no flat spot in the chart. You've probably got some mania there. And so often the angle of the increase matches the angle of the decrease. So if something's gone straight up, what's the likely event that's going to occur to make it go straight down? There'll be something. There'll be somebody selling. There'll be some bad news. There'll be some awful issue that comes up where a few people sell, then more people sell, fear spreads, and before you know it, the market has been absolutely flattened by that one innocuous piece of news. People are people. They feel fear. They sell. They want to protect their psyche. They sell. They want to protect their retirement fund, they sell. I do think that's where, as traders, we need to detach and to be objective and to trade like a robot, like a machine. And they're the people who do the best in the markets, the ones that can say, okay, I'm trading to be a good trader and I'm trading to follow my trading plan rather than somebody who's out to say, hey, I'm going to retire at the age of 32. I just want to clarify at the moment because I think saying trading all the time gives the idea that you're sitting there in front of the computer, you know, day trading, you know, buying and selling and buying and selling. But these are the techniques that can be used for people who are investing for the long term as well. That's correct, mm. isn't it? Mm, definitely, definitely. Mm. Let's talk about that for a moment. So firstly, day trading doesn't work. So all of the evidence suggests that people who are in the market to close out before the end of that day actually lose money. They burn out. They struggle to see the overall trend. Our goal as a trader and an investor is to make logical decisions. So by trading, what I'm meaning is somebody who's prepared to exit. 
So it can be a short-term trade where you're using four-hourly charts, but you're not getting in and out within those four hours. Some of your trades could last two weeks, for example. You could be a medium-term investor, which is where most of my money is at the moment, where I'm looking to hold for several weeks and in some cases, two or three years. And then you've got long-term as well. But long-term, just assuming that it's not going to be going down like a stone and you're still hanging on, that's not what we're after. So trading incorporates all of that. It incorporates that mindset that says we need to be sophisticated, we need to be mature, and if the market isn't cooperating, we need to exit. So it's not about hold and hope. Correct. I think one of the most basic things when you're drawing a line on a chart would be to ascertain support and resistance. Tell me about Mm. that. Yeah, support and resistance is really key. So I actually have had the the absolute pleasure of trading several disabled people to trade effectively. Now, I've got one group of people who are visually impaired and I learned this technique from them. I thought it was a winner. What you can do is you can print out a share chart and then get a ruler and move that ruler up in a horizontal line from the very bottom of the chart and look to see where the share prices are touching that ruler. And if you have touches of three or more, then you've got a line that you can draw. Now, to begin with, you're going to draw those support lines everywhere. There's going to be 500 support lines on that chart and you're going to go, okay, so what's this really telling me? But over time, you'll realize that those support lines are very significant and you'll draw fewer of them, but they'll be more meaningful. It's psychological points where people say, wow, at that price, that share is cheap. It's cheap and I'm going to buy it because I think it's going to go up. That's what support is. Now, support is really key for candlestick bottom reversal patterns. If you get the right pattern along that line, there's a very high likelihood that price will go up. I just wanted to simplify again just a little bit. What is support? Support is the price at which the majority of people think that share price isn't going to go any lower. So they buy in at that price. So perhaps I'll give you an example. So my brother-in-law, he has this thing going with Colesmeyer. Okay. Now, when he first told me about this, he said, Louise, you're doing trading all wrong. Wrong, (laughs) wrong, wrong. All you need to do is when Colesmeyer gets down to $6, you need to buy it. And when it goes up to $7, then you need to sell it. And if you do that 5 million times between now and when you're retired, you're going to be a freaking billionaire. I've just, I've just, written, I've just written down okay. that, I've so just written down that plan. I'll that. be instituting it straight away. <laughs> <laughs> Good. We've got a trading system. Exactly. But let's look at the stand method of an analysis because I think there is some gold hidden in there. Now, that $6 mark, He's probably right. People think Coles Meyer at that time was cheap at $6. And people probably thought Coles Meyer was expensive at $7. So that support line at $6, because enough people are thinking in that same way, that support line becomes very, very strong and stronger over time. And that resistance line, that $7 resistance line where everybody's selling at $7, that's the price at which people think it's expensive and they think the share price probably won't go up much past there. So that's the key with support and resistance. 
It's how people think about that share price, whether they think it's cheap and whether they think that it's expensive. And that punches in those lines that you can see on a chart. And uh, resistance is? Uh, when you think it's expensive. One of the ways that you can learn how to draw these on a chart too is to print out that chart, squint at the chart, okay, so don't get too detailed and too focused here, and draw a zigzag line connecting the highs and the peaks and the troughs, the highs, the lows, peaks and troughs. Draw that zigzag line over the key points where that share price changes direction. And once you've done that, then look to see where those troughs are actually lying. Do they lie along a particular price? Are they all lining up along $6? Are they all with the peaks lining up among the $7 mark? And if they do, draw your horizontal lines in at those prices. Okay, and if uh, listeners are ready to go to the next step, they can go and find, find out more information about you on the Trading Game website, which is, please tell us the URL tradinggame.com.au. So come to tradinggame.com.au, register for my free trading plan template. So that's what you need to set yourself up completely professionally. And I know you'll love it. It's probably our most popular resource ever. Literally 33,000 people at last count have received that trading plan template. So it's designed to get you set up professionally so that you can make the market absolutely hum and complete all of those objectives that you've written down, the things that are important to you. It'll help guide you and I really feel that's the first step that you should do, Phil. After you've really decided that this is your arena, this is what you want, this is your future, you want to be a trader, you want to be an investor, that trading plan template will guide you through. Fantastic. So uh, just one final question. If one of uh, our listeners was coming to, to meet you and say hello, what would be the one thing that you'd tell them, the most important thing that they need to know about starting in investing in shares? Work to a written trading plan. That is the key. Absolutely. It's that roadmap. It's that trading plan. It's knowing what you're going to be doing. Yes. Louise, it's been my absolute pleasure meeting you and chatting with you. I hope we can do this again sometime. I hope so too, Phil. I love your show. I love where you're taking it. And some of your guests have just been so influential. So keep up that good work. Shares for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice, and you shouldn't buy or sell any shares based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Shares for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances, or current situation. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.